0: history of the Pennsylvania Coal Region wouldn't be complete without one or several chapters devoted to organized crime. During the Prohibition era, crime rings could be found in just about every nook and cranny of the anthracite region. The nefarious plots of many mobsters were hatched in dozens of area houses of ill repute, like the notorious Sunset Inn in Numidia, where for many years prostitutes from all over the country plied their trade. Sometimes they did so voluntarily. Oftentimes, these young women were forced to perform against their wills. Human trafficking flourished in the coal region during the era. During the first seven weeks of 1925, 29 teenage girls vanished from Northumberland, Columbia, and Schuylkill counties alone. With 34 houses of ill repute situated within a 30-mile radius of Pottsville, the national press had dubbed Schuylkill County the Port of Missing Girls. Several of these seedy establishments were owned by Louis Moff, alias Louis Moff, who came to be known as the Vice King of the coal Region. The son of Joseph and Concetta Moff, Louis was born in 1883 in a town of Rica, in the Italian state of Abruzzi. Known as an unusually bright student, He embarked for the United States alone at the age of 22 and settled in Hazleton, where he learned the plumbing trade. Three years later, he moved to Atlas, which at the time was known as Exchange, and found employment with the Red and Coal and Iron Company. Because of the exceptional schooling he received in Italy, his likable personality, and his uncanny ability to learn things quickly, he rapidly moved up the ladder and for many years was considered one of the company's most capable employees. But then two terrible tragedies struck, and Lewis was never the same. In 1909, he lost his first-born infant son to measles, and the following year his home was one of several buildings on Columbia Avenue that had been burned under mysterious circumstances. The Exchange Fire of October 1910 destroyed ten homes and several businesses, such as Richard Minipace's barbershop, Charles Chicotano's meat market, an hotel owned by Charles Manapace. Authorities believed the fire had originated at the meat market at around two o'clock in the morning, while several witnesses reported hearing dynamite explosions. Since most of the residents were Italian miners, law enforcement believed that the explosions were the result of duolin and gunpowder that the miners had carried home from work. Others, however insisted that it was the work of a shadowy underworld organization known as the Black Hand. Fortunately, Moff was one of the few victims of the fire who had the foresight to have his house insured. He eventually left his job and used his savings to enter the saloon business. He operated a dance hall at 201 West Sailor Street in Atlas. In addition to live music, Moff's Hall also offered cockfighting, which was legal at the time, and the sport was a favorite pastime of Italian immigrants. Louis Moff loved sports, and he had a fondness for baseball in particular. One of his greatest triumphs came in 1924, when he managed to set up an exhibition game between the Mount Carmel Possums, a local pickup team, and a barnstorming team comprised of American League All-Stars. The game, which took place on October 15th at Mount Carmel Park, is notable for several reasons. The Possum's starting pitcher was future Hall of Famer Stan Kovaleski, and a visiting All-Star team featured a young unknown first baseman freshly graduated from Columbia University named Lou Gehrig. Some of you might have heard of him. Unlike most exhibition games between major leaguers and local weekend warriors, this one was actually pretty competitive. The All-Stars won by a score of 7-6, with two of the runs being scored by Gehrig. Gehrig, who had only seen playing time with the Yankees as a pinch hitter to that point in his career, was chosen as a last-minute substitute. As for Louis Moff, he soon opened several other saloons and roadhouses in the area and this line of work brought him into contact with every phase of Underworld life. Moff was able to keep his name out of the papers until 1920, when a deadly brawl erupted at his Girardville cabaret. On March 1st, Lewis's wife, Rose, was tending bar when she got into an altercation with one of the patrons over money. Threats were made, guns were drawn, and when the smoke cleared, four men had been shot. Frank Machis was killed in a fracas, while Michael Brazilla, Charles Kamalowski, and the cabaret piano player, Michael Bronza, were rushed to Fountain Springs Hospital with life-threatening injuries. Mike Borelli, who was later charged with the murder of Frank Machis, was also shot during the brawl. Moff's Gerardville Cabaret had a reputation for rowdiness it was not unusual for five or six fights to break out on any given night, and about once a week somebody would pull out a revolver. One witness later testified in court that the cabaret band, accustomed to such rowdy behavior, continued to play music during the entire fray, even as their piano player was slumped over his keyboard with a bullet through his left kidney. Although Moff was in Mount Carmel when the shooting took place, he and his wife were arrested as accomplices, but were later acquitted. This experience only made Moff even more brazen in his contempt for the law, and he expanded his network of roadhouses to Mahanoy City, Treverton, Coltman, Irish Valley, Hazleton, and Ringtown. At the height of his career, Moff owned over 30 roadhouses and boasted a fleet of expensive automobiles. To staff these brothels with prostitutes, Moff handpicked and trained young men whose sole purpose was, as one newspaper politely stated, to induce girls to lead lives of shame for financial profit. One of Moff's hand-picked thugs was Felix Bocicchio, who later rose to notoriety as the Baltimore mobster and hitman known as Man of War. When Moff became the owner of the notorious Sunset Inn, which was located between Aristus and Numidia, he moved up into the heavyweight class of racketeers, During the Prohibition era, the Sunset Inn served as a crossroads for the sex trafficking trade where girls from all over the country, runaways and abductees alike, waited to be shipped out to larger cities. A murder once occurred during an attempted robbery of the roadhouse, but although Moff was suspected to be the one who had pulled the trigger, he was later released from custody after successfully establishing an alibi. And then, in 1925, came the darkest chapter in the history of the Sunset Inn. Still known today as the Broad Mountain Murder Mystery, this event took place in 1925 when hikers found the badly charred remains of a young female near the summit of Broad Mountain, between Frackville and Hexersville. The body was burned so badly that an identification was never made but authorities believed that the young woman was a prostitute who had been murdered at the Sunset Inn, stuffed into the trunk of an automobile, and transported to Broad Mountain, where it was set on fire. Believing that Lewis Moth may have directed the dumping of the body, he and his chauffeur were arrested by the state police and held at the Schuylkill County Jail, while authorities attempted to make an identification. Once it became evident that detectives could neither prove nor disprove that the victim had been at the Sunset Inn, Moff and his chauffeur were released. This would be the sixth and final time that Moff would be a suspect in a Coal Region murder investigation. Because of the tremendous publicity surrounding the Broad Mountain murder, Moff's saloon on Oak Street in Mount Carmel, which was also an infamous meeting place for the mob, was forced to close. With police raids becoming an increasingly frequent occurrence, business began to suffer at his other establishments, and he made a decision to retire from the saloon business altogether. As for the Sunset Inn, it continued to operate until April of 1932, when it burned to the ground under mysterious circumstances. After closing his roadhouses, Moff focused exclusively on bootlegging. Because of his training as a plumber and pipe fitter, he became a prolific maker of stills, which were hidden in secret locations all across the coal region. Just as soon as federal agents found one of his stills and destroyed it, ten more popped up to take its place. However, this business enterprise wasn't as profitable as prostitution or gambling, and it was said that Moff had spent what was left of his fortune on building new stills. But there is no doubt that if given enough time, Moff would have been able to recoup his losses. But unfortunately for Louis Moff, he did not live long enough for that to happen. On the evening of Tuesday, December 29, 1931, Louis and his wife, Rose, had gone to watch a movie at the State Theater in Mount Carmel. They arrived home at 1015 and Rose got out of the car as it was stopped in front of the garage at the rear of their home at 113 East Sailor Street in Atlas. After Rose walked through the garage and made her way into the house, Lewis parked the car in its usual place, and had just reached up to close the garage door when he was gunned down in a fusillade of bullets. Five shots were fired, four of which struck Moff. The fatal shot, believed to have been the first one that was fired, pierced his heart. Though mortally wounded, he managed to run for about 40 feet before he fell, dropping dead on the short walkway between the garage and a back door of his home. He was found a short while later by his son, Joseph, who had heard from a neighbor that shots had been fired near his father's house. Local police, along with state police from Tharptown, arrived on the scene within the hour and came to the conclusion that Moff's killer had hidden behind a fence on the opposite side of the alley from the garage. This suggested the murder had been carefully planned, presumably by a rival mobster. Detectives found one of the stray bullets embedded in the front of the garage and determined that it had been fired from a thirty two caliber automatic pistol. Neighbors were questioned But all of them said that it was too dark to see anything. However, some of the neighbors said that they'd seen a large, unfamiliar sedan with a New York license plate driving slowly up and down the streets the day before. Since it was the holiday season, it was possible that the unfamiliar vehicle may have belonged to a visiting relative of a local resident. As for Rosemoth, she later told police that she was busy hanging up her coat and hat in a closet, when Joseph and neighbors dragged Lewis's body into the house. Apparently, she hadn't heard any of the five gunshots, but when she discovered that her husband was dead, she collapsed and had to be carried to her bed. Corporal Earl Pepple and Trooper George Sauer handled the investigation into Moth's sling. They chased down various leads, One source claimed that Moff had run afoul of Philadelphia mobsters and was rubbed out for one of his favorite dirty tricks, which was ordering liquor from Philadelphia and then having his men ambush the bootleggers when they attempted to deliver the goods. In this manner, Moff was able to get his hands on whiskey for a fraction of the cost of buying it from the mafia. His only costs were the payments he made to the hijackers. Three hours after Moff's death, Desk Sergeant Joseph Keller of the Shemokin Police Department received a mysterious call in which the caller asked how he could get in touch with Louis Moff. When Sergeant Keller asked the man why he wanted this information, the mysterious caller said, I want to warn him about something that is going to happen to him. The sergeant, unaware that Moff had already been slain, instructed the caller to contact the Mount Carmel Police Department. Police dismissed his call as the work of a prankster. According to Tony LaCrosse, an associate of the Slain Racketeer, Moff had invested the majority of his savings in a wildcat brewery in exchange, which was later busted up by the police. He had entered into this ill-fated enterprise with two men from Pittston in Lucerne County, who LaCrosse only knew as Tony and Tommy. LaCrosse believed that these men might have killed Lewis as an act of revenge but Joseph Moff insisted that these shadowy men were good friends of the family and were above suspicion. Despite months of running down leads, detectives made little headway into their investigation into the murder of Louis Moff. One thing they did learn, however, was that the vice-king of the coal region had just $400 left to his name at the time of his death. Rose Moff's mental health began to decline rapidly after the death of her husband. She was institutionalized at the Danville State Hospital shortly after the murder, and remained a patient for the remainder of her life. She passed away in 1946 at the age of 53. After a funeral service held in Hazleton at the home of her sister, she was laid to rest at the Most Precious Blood Catholic Cemetery in Luzerne County. Louis Moff was buried at the St. Peter Parish Cemetery on Marion Mountain just outside of Mount Carmel. His son, whose date of death is unknown, is buried alongside him in the same plot. Pennsylvania Oddities If you enjoyed this podcast, look for my latest book, Pennsylvania Oddities, Volume 2, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart.com, or through the Sunbury Press website at www.sunberrypressstore.com. The Pennsylvania Oddities Podcast is written, produced, and narrated by Marlon Bressy. Theme music composed by Marlon Bressy. Sound effects courtesy of freesound.org. Find the Pennsylvania Oddities Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your favorite programs. New episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. Bye-bye.